Greetings. I'm Matt Matthews, one of the pastors here at First Pres in Champaign, and I'm happy to welcome you to our media ministry. Join us in person. We're located at the intersection of Church and State Streets, adjacent to Westside Park in downtown Champaign. Our traditional worship service is at 9 a.m. on Sunday morning, and on most of those Sundays, we offer French translation. Our contemporary services on Sunday begin at 11.15 a.m. When you come to First Pres, what you'll find, what I hope you'll find, is a community of people who support each other and who are passionate about making a difference in our community and beyond. You'll find relevant teaching for children and adults. We have at least a dozen Bible studies in small groups, including pickleball, that's right, pickleball, adult choir, a bell choir for all comers, and other programs and events designed to grow your faith and give you and me opportunities to serve. There's a place for you. I'm glad you tuned in. From the English version, Matthew 11, verses 16 through 19 and 25 through 30. Listen for the word of God. But to what will I compare this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling to one another, We play the flute for you and you did not dance. We wailed and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating or drinking, and they say he has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Look, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is vindicated by her deeds. At that time, Jesus said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the intelligent and have revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you that are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Come to me, all you that are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest, says Jesus. Perhaps you've heard these words before on a Sunday morning before communion, or perhaps you've heard these words in a moment of prayer when you were stressed and needed comfort. They are comforting words, words of welcome, of relief, healing words. They are words for a tired world, a worried world, a world torn apart by competing voices and authorities. These words bring about that kind of feeling you get when you're a child and you're wrapped in a hug from a trusted adult, perhaps a grandparent after a skinned knee or a long school year. These are protective words 
that melt away the woes of the world and focus us on what matters. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. These are words of rest for the weary. I was drawn to these words in this long lectionary text on vacation. I had been yearning for a rest. We had been yearning for a rest. You may have noticed, some of you have said that you noticed my Facebook page. I've been posting images of rest. The ocean waves lapping and lapping against the shore. The green bounty of nature. The creative spirit of the gardener who plays with color, rainbow of color that enhances and focuses our attention in the midst of the chaos of ordinary. A serene lake, a roar of a waterfall, a laugh, a bird, a single daisy, a dance, grace, all of it grace and joy. But these words in Matthew are more than just an escape or a moment of tranquility. They are an invitation into a restorative relationship with God whom Jesus knew intimately. Our text in Matthew comes as the Jesus movement is getting off the ground. It wasn't an easy time for Jesus and the disciples. It wasn't their whole ministry, but Jesus had been preaching for a while and healing the sick. Eugene Peterson in the message says that as Jesus does this, the wretched of the earth learn that God is on their side. This was good, wasn't it? Jesus had called a band of disciples together and they were enthusiastic about this new order an order that cared for the least of these, the disenfranchised. And between Jesus and John the Baptist, his cousin, the status quo was being shaken up. There was change, and the powers were being challenged. And then, and so, and so, John the Baptist was arrested and thrown in jail. Doubt was creeping into the early vision of hope for the future that the disciples had. If John was arrested and Jesus wouldn't take him out of jail or get him out of jail, save him, was Jesus really the one that John came preaching about? When doubt enters a conversation, you begin to hear whining and competing voices, and they grow louder and louder. It is hard to make sense of the truth and what is real when this kind of tug-of-war is going on. Here is what the competing voices were saying, and this is what comes out of the text that didn't make a whole lot of sense when we were reading it, about John and Jesus. One's voice says, John came fasting, but the people said he was crazy, someone with a demon. He needed to be locked up. The other, Jesus came eating and drinking with the outcast, just outcast, just opposite of John, but people said he was a drunkard and a sinner. Couldn't they make up their mind? 
Would they not be satisfied, one or the other? John and Jesus were bringing about change. And when change is happening, there's a lot of ambiguity. You can find a voice for every idea that's out there, and every competing idea begins to be twisted around into something else. It's exhausting, isn't it? We didn't have this happening. We don't have this happening in the marketplace. We have this happening all the time, every time you turn on the television or the radio or look at your phone. Who is right? What is right? Words you could once trust don't make any sense anymore. What do you believe when doubt competes with hope? Well, the disciples were wavering. Jesus assures John's disciples that John was a prophet as great as any prophet there ever was. And, Jesus says, people are never going to be satisfied. They are like children who whine and play games, and when they're playing, they cannot see reality that's in front of them. On the other hand, Jesus is lifting up the wise person. A wise person can see what is from God. And through his actions, Jesus had been showing them a wise way. Goodness, healing, hearing, loving, and grace. Wisdom uses a special eye. Wisdom uses a listening ear. Wisdom uses a loving heart. Seeing, hearing, and loving focus, us, focus our actions in the right direction. And I, I think of these as intentions, much like you would have in a yoga practice when you set your intention to do a particular pose. But notice carefully, Jesus doesn't really give a definite answer to all the questions that are being asked. He encourages the disciples to look with a wise mind. What do you see, he asks. The message translates his words as, the blind see, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the wretched of the earth learn that God is on their side. Is this what you were expecting, Jesus asks. Then count yourself blessed. Jesus' words to the disciples speak to our own time in the midst of our own ambiguities. We can find the wise mind in the competing voices that surround us as the church looks to find new direction and hopes for the future. When you can't communicate and connect the way you used to, you learn new words. We know that. We have an ELL ESL program. Alan helped us to learn to sign. And we try to provide French translation every Sunday. We know how to learn new ways of communicating. We do. We are trying every every day to help people connect with each other across barriers, breaking those barriers. That is having a wise mind and a listening ear 
and a loving heart. We need to focus on those things. There's another thing that Jesus does after cutting through the rhetoric of ambiguity with a wise mind. Jesus prays. Jesus' personal responses to the whining and competing voices of doubt amidst the hope is prayer. It's a prayer of gratitude. He thanks the Father. Prayer reminds him that the intimacy of his relationship with God is what empowers him to gather his disciples, us, together and teach us the truth of God's love. Prayer is what returns our attention to grace. God's grace is neither forced or manipulated or controlled by putting our own wants and desires first. God's grace is known by the least of these, an infant's perspective. Prayer connects us to a power greater than the competing people's powers of the world. Prayer connects us to the love of a parent for a child and a child for a parent. Jesus knew that. He taught that. He invites us into this kind of intimate and loving relationship. Come to me, all you who are heavily burdened, and I will give you rest, Jesus says. Gentle and humble of heart, Jesus invites, him, invites us to walk with him in a way that doesn't fight against the powers that be. It transcends them. There's no need to arrest the prophets and kill them to silence their words of truth. There's no need to crucify ordinary people with laws that give power to the powerful. If the sick are sick, they need healing, so heal them. If the hungry are hungry, they need to be fed. So what kind of food do you give them? What kind do you share? Jesus' way, the Jesus movement, will feed 5,000 with, with um, five loaves and two fish. What are your resources? What are our resources? What kind of skills can we teach others? A gentle and humble heart has a domino effect. It grows. It's like our raindrop offering. You share one raindrop, and soon you will have a lake. You share one ice cube, and soon you're going to have coolers. <laughs> right? You share one skill, and soon you are self-sufficient and teaching others. What I learned in my rest on vacation as I focused my spirit on God's transcendence around me and creation in that chaotic, natural world that is bug-infested, hot, devouring, and full of thorns and brambles was that a gentle and humble heart brings into focus the Creator's grace. The ordinary has color and beauty. The wise mind sees and hears these things and all other voices fall away. The political haranguing that the disciples experienced around them faded into the background as they focused on what was wise and good and loving. 
A crucifixion became the resurrection. Death became life. Doubt did not take away hope. Let that be our way. It's mystical, perhaps. But Jesus invites us to come, and his way will give us rest. In this relationship, we can come together as a church to bring God's rest to a weary world, bathing them in eternal love. St. Francis said this a long time ago. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. And where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavily burdened, and I will give you rest. May all the wisdom be from God. Amen. Thank you for joining this podcast of First Presbyterian Church Champaign. Visit us at our campus at the intersection of Church and State Streets in downtown Champaign. And for more information, visit us online at www.firstpres.church. Have a great week.